When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You might be surprised to see Starbucks as our topic over the corporate casket today. After all, they're known for being this great place to work with health benefits, parental leave, tuition coverage, and even dental insurance if you're a full-time employee. I know these things should be basic for all workers, but the sad fact is that many fast food employees just don't have them. The fact that Starbucks does have them makes them a cut above the rest. They even offer something called Beanstalk, which is a way for employees to literally have stock in the business itself. Between all this, Starbucks has earned its place as the fifth most admired company worldwide as chosen by Fortune in 2018. They've also made lists for best employers for diversity, top regarded companies, and best employers for women. Then why is this fantastic employer the subject of today's corporate casket? Well, it's because they've got their fair share of issues too like how their union-busting tactics are said to be worse than Amazon's, their very long list of racism and discrimination against employees and customers, and their infamy as the symbol of gentrification itself. But is it possible that Starbucks is more good than bad? Well, any of you that have been on this channel for a while now know that personally, I think it's just about impossible to have an ethical billionaire. Somewhere along the way of getting to that level of wealth, chances are far more likely than not that they, or the person they may have inherited the wealth from, got their money through exploiting people less fortunate than them. Maybe that means vast overconsumption, enormous carbon footprints, forced labor, or if you're Jeff Bezos, all of the above while also having your workers pee in bottles because they're not given a proper bathroom break. As Pitt News points out, even billionaires that may seem ethical still maintain their obscene wealth instead of alleviating the poverty of millions by giving the majority of it away. Frankly, I think the same can be said of these billion dollar corporations, Starbucks included. Though they may have these excellent benefits for their employees, they've got a lot of skeletons in their closet too, which keeps them from actually being, well, an ethical company. But is there a way to balance this out? Can you still have that iced chai latte with oat milk, brown sugar, and vanilla foam without drinking your guilt along with it? I dream the kind of dreams that other people said would not be possible. Protesters calling for justice today after the arrest of two black men. A former Starbucks employee is suing the company for harassment and discrimination. Hello and welcome to The Corporate Casket. I'm the Illuminati. And today, as we're going to get into the topic of Starbucks, let's go ahead and just start right off the bat with the skeletons at the front of their closet. They're union busting. Chances are you've heard about more and more unions forming recently as we've entered the era of union booms again. As unethical companies thrive, this generation of workers is getting fucking tired of it and fighting back. Though there are a lot of reasons to unionize, COVID has actually been one of the biggest catalysts. Former field examiner agent for the United States Labor Relations Board, Jason Greer has stated, COVID was everything. 
A lot of people said, I'm seeing my family members die and my friends die, and we were suddenly faced with our own mortality, but a lot of organizations still expected you to work just as hard or harder. But corporations have fought back hard. So much so, in fact, that a judge had to call out Amazon for their unlawful union busting conduct and tell them to calm the fuck down if they didn't wanna be held in contempt of court. Now, obviously they said this in a much more professional manner, but I think you get my point. Amazon is known for its aggressive anti-union stance and retaliations, but as some journalists have pointed out, Starbucks is actually worse. Three Starbucks coffee shops in Ithaca voted to unionize today. Stores at Meadow Street, College Avenue, and the Commons in Ithaca won their union vote, bringing the total number of unionized- Take what happened in June, 2022, for example. Starbucks had a busy store in Ithaca, New York that had some sanitary issues. And when I say sanitary issues, I don't mean, oh, they weren't given enough cleaning supplies. Employees in Ithaca had to deal with a broken overflowing grease trap. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but wouldn't that also pose a fire hazard risk too? Employees that wanted the best for themselves and the customers decided to go on strike and demand a quality work environment that has, oh, I don't know, basic safety measures in place. But what was Starbucks' response? Well, they shut the store down. And I don't mean that they brought in more workers or strike breakers. They didn't negotiate with workers. Starbucks just shut the entire store down and shrugged it off. Their lawyers said that things weren't efficient enough, despite the Starbucks being the most profitable store in the area because of Cornell's campus nearby. And that's right. The company would rather lose one of its most profitable stores in a region purely because of their workers demanding better treatment. No matter how many 401ks and health benefits they may offer, this sends one message very loud and very clear profits over people. And as for where the employees of this shutdown Starbucks went, there was no certainty for their employment. After all, other Starbucks in the area that already had a full staff wouldn't need all of them. So the company's lawyers said they couldn't guarantee the same hours. When Starbucks didn't shut down stores, they'd also just fire pro-union baristas, both to retaliate, as well as to make an example of them for other employees. The company obviously denies this, as well as any other wrongdoing, but the writing is on the wall here. It seems they'll do just about anything to keep workers from unionizing. But why would they want to unionize in the first place if it's such an amazing workplace? And that's a whole other story. And it really depends on who you ask. Like any other chain, there's going to be no shortage of positive and negative stories. Some say it's absolutely exhausting and they don't know how they're supposed to connect with customers when they're constantly expected to multitask. One employee featured in a Mashed article claims, the stress even under a good manager sucks. Under a bad manager, it will literally eat you up and spit you out. Again, this is so reliant on who your coworkers and boss is, but those that seek to unionize don't wanna see the company engulfed in the fiery flames of vengeance. They just want more baristas to have a good experience. And right now, many aren't. The National Labor Relations Board, or NLRB, is investigating more than 325 unfair labor practice charges brought forward by the Starbucks union. And they've cited the company for, quote, coercing, threatening, and firing employees over their union activities and withholding wage increases and benefits from unionizing stores. But sure, the company spokesperson says they respect the right to organize. If this is the case, then why continue to do what they're doing? Why fire workers for unionizing in the first place? These actions seem to speak louder than words, but Starbucks didn't learn this childhood lesson. Now, let's say a Starbucks store does manage to unionize though. They finally gain the support they need, get a union in place, and advocate for the treatment of employees. Does this mean things will actually get better? No, because Starbucks will still fight them at every turn. 
In May, CEO Howard Schultz announced raises and new benefits like faster sick time accrual, more training opportunities, and credit card tipping. However, as NPR stated, these new features would only apply to non-union stores. There's no winning here if you have a bad experience as a Starbucks employee. Either put up with it or risk losing out on any future benefits the company may have to offer, apparently. And again, how the hell is this respecting anyone's right to organize when you're punishing them for doing so? Unfortunately, Starbucks's method is, well, I mean, there's no other way to say it. It's pretty effective. People aren't going anywhere for their Frappuccinos, so the company itself hasn't really suffered. Get this, NLRB is prohibited by Congress from issuing monetary fines. So the most they can even do is tell Starbucks to offer reinstated workers back pay and compensation that comes from firing them. And like, that's it. Literally the only way they can tell Starbucks to play fair is to kind of give them a little bat on the wrist and tell them to pay a worker that they should have been paying in the first place. So truthfully, if we're talking about corrupt businesses, which is what we do a lot of the time, what corporation wouldn't break these laws when all it is is a little like itch on the wrist, a little scratch, a little bat every once in a while? The reality is, is that the consequences are so minimal that they're actually better off firing someone unfairly and instilling fear into the other employees than actually obeying the law. And that's a huge issue. This isn't just for Starbucks. This is like a huge overarching issue with many companies everywhere. Any reimbursement or consequences also rely on one crucial point, proving that Starbucks is sabotaging union efforts in the first place. If Starbucks does unlawfully fire you, not only do you have to work incredibly hard to prove it, but then you have to cross your fingers and toes and hope and pray that the NLRB will eventually get to your case. Their staff has unfortunately been cut by 40% since 2014. So good luck trying to get the attention of this incredibly underfunded and virtually powerless board and hoping they can hold Starbucks accountable. To be blunt here, I just don't have a lot of hope for Starbucks allowing unions without pushback that will severely hurt workers. While I was looking into this, I found an article that said Starbucks has trampled on workers' rights to organize a labor union, and that article was 15 years old. That meant that long before the NLRB's funding was almost cut in half, and long before COVID was even a thing, Starbucks was stampeding over any whispers of unionization. One of their managers, according to an NLRB judge, had also illegally prohibited employees from talking about wages or other terms of employment. And what was their consequence for this, you might ask? Well, it's the same as it is to this day, some back pay and reinstating those that had been fired illegally. It's clear as day that these consequences were not enough to deter Starbucks from using the same tactics over a decade later. The fact that this slap on the wrist is all we can do to stop them is honestly exhausting. Like the New York Times reported that the 88 page ruling, and yes, 88 whole pages, it detailed a bitter escalating battle with Starbucks and the union that by that point had lasted four years. Four years of complaints around working conditions, strikes, petitions, unfair treatment, and allegedly illegal firing all culminated in, hey, don't do that. Hire those people back and pay them their salary again. What progress. And look, no matter how much you love a good cup of overpriced coffee to start the day, Starbucks is still a corporation and they still want what's best for themselves, which is the most amount of money possible. But there's so much more we have got to talk about too. What about that inclusive workplace? Does it actually exist? Just a small trigger warning for the beginning of this section, I will be mentioning police brutality. No longer, no Protesters no calling for justice today. After the arrests of two black men at this Philadelphia Starbucks on Thursday. Now, maybe you remember how back in 2018, two black men were arrested on suspicion of trespassing at a Starbucks in Philadelphia. 
Apparently, the men asked to use the restroom, but were denied because they hadn't bought anything. They sat in the Starbucks waiting to meet a friend, and yeah, I guess that's a crime now. Don't enter a Starbucks to meet someone without making a purchase first, and you don't dare ask to use the facilities. Otherwise, they'll call the cops on you. The bigger question here is, would this have happened if the person waiting for the friend was a white woman? Doubtful. Starbucks came out the other side of the scandal looking racist and discriminatory, far from the supposed welcoming, inclusive company that they like to claim they are. The manager was let go, Starbucks apologized, and the world just seemed to move on without a care. The thing is, if there had been just one racist manager in the whole company, then I wouldn't have been even inclined to bring this whole thing up. Shit happens and no business is really entirely to blame for the actions of their employees, especially if it was just a fluke. However, it's their responses and consistency in how they handle discrimination that matters. When we look into Starbucks's history of this, well, that's when things start to look a little bit more like it's more than just one bad manager. One of the earliest discrimination suits I found took place when Starbucks was really starting to expand and become a household name, back in the 1990s, 1994 to be exact. Two employees stepped forward and said they were fired because of their race, age, and or sex. One of them, Tracy Coleman, said that her direct supervisor, Stuart Fields, asked to call her, quote, Toby, you know, Kunta Kinti's baby. As UPI explains, Toby is the slave name given to the African Kunta Kinte in the landmark television miniseries Roots. Lynn Kowatz, a former regional manager, witnessed the incident and spoke out. She then received backlash in the form of discrimination around her age and was fired. So first of all, Toby was not her name, so what the actual fuck? What singular brain cell did you use in that thick skull of yours to think up a comment like this, then spew it out of your mouth hole because apparently you thought that was an okay thing to say? Secondly, I'd perhaps have more hope if there were more people like Lynn in these establishments, standing up against the stewards of the world. But the retaliation against Lynn speaks volumes. It says, how dare you defend a coworker against a racist remark and you'll be next. But there are many more examples too. Back in 2008, Deborah Boygen accused the company of age discrimination, refusing to hire her as a barista because she was in her 50s. Sure, they have every reason not to hire her if she doesn't have the experience or qualifications, but the Portland stores she applied to refused to hire anyone over 30, ignored hiring practice standards, and lied about why applicants weren't hired. Starbucks' attorneys insisted that her accusations were on pure speculation alone, but again, this isn't a one-off example. Victor Washington, a former lead network engineer, faced such racial discrimination and retaliation from the company when he needed to go on medical leave. Victor, a black man, claimed that a white coworker would demand Victor fetch his umbrella and tie his shoes for him, treating him like a servant. Though Victor complained and tried to bring the company's attention to the matter, they did, and drumroll please, they did absolutely nothing. Eventually, Washington was given a check for $120,000 after settling out of court. And let me make something clear here. Discrimination isn't just harmful, upsetting, or hurtful. It can lead to death too. In 2014, a Milwaukee Starbucks employee called the police on a black resident, 31-year-old Dontre Hamilton, for sleeping in a park. The police officer that arrived on the scene shot Hamilton 14 times, killing him and leaving his family absolutely devastated. His family also said that Starbucks' racial bias training should have taken place after this event not the bad press they received in 2018 when the two men were arrested. Even then, CEO Schultz showed up and supposedly paid his respects to the Hamilton family, but Dontre's brother, Nate, said that his compassion wasn't real and whether they pulled the trigger or not, they still played a big role in it. Starbucks didn't even issue a public apology for their workers' profiling as they did in 2018. 
but let's just keep filling out this fucked up bingo card, right? They've got racist and ageist on the list, but what about ableist? Well, of course they've faced lawsuits for that too. Veronica Bitcower, as well as Miu Ning, two deaf women, were either refused service or treated poorly when they tried to place orders at a Starbucks on Astor Place in Manhattan. They'd gone there along with another group of people from the deaf community for Deaf Chat Coffee, a networking event to bring the community closer together. But group members were often refused service, stared at, or told, quote, you talk funny. And they were also told they weren't buying enough coffee and pastries. Eventually, Deaf Chat Coffee was kicked out altogether. Later, when the group did try to return, perhaps hoping that the staff on that particular day was just in a bad mood or something, this Starbucks pulled a tactic we've seen before, calling the police. Quote, Guy Wiegener, who is not deaf and joined the group to practice sign language, recalled that they held up their coffee cups and pastries to show the officers that they were paying customers. The police left, he said, but it felt like we were being singled out. And again, is it possible that this was an isolated incident? Sure. I guess it's possible that some of the workers in the store were discriminatory when other Starbucks would feel differently. Other Starbucks would have given these members no trouble in the past. But how often can we really blame a single store instead of looking at the corporation to hold them accountable? It's not as if discrimination itself is some rare phenomenon that happens in a bubble only by a few people. It's far too common and far too overlooked. Starbucks, in response to this incident, said that they already embrace equality, inclusion, and accessibility, as well as providing sensitivity training. And while the flowery words are definitely nice and all, it doesn't exactly change what the employees did. Their spokesperson simply disagreeing with the allegations doesn't make them any less true. If the employees at Astor Place have a good explanation for what happened, then I'd be willing to hear it, but I don't see room for a simple misunderstanding here. One of those who was told you talk funny, Mr. Roth, was offered a measly gift card when he complained to corporate, a gift card that he also never actually received, by the way. His experience, in addition to the other responses we've seen come out of corporate, makes it really hard for me to believe that this is just a store or two with a problem. But hey, don't take my word for it. Take the US government's word for it. Or well, plenty of people don't trust them either, but hear me out all the same. Over 12 years ago, the government itself sued Starbucks for discriminatory practices, which to me proves that this is not a one store kind of problem. The fucking government went after them. It was the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission that filed the suit after Starbucks fired a barista in Texas after three days, purely because she has dwarfism. So much for their spokesperson's message about inclusivity and equality, though we absolutely could have thrown that out far earlier in the episode too. According to spokesperson Stacy Crum, they did try to accommodate the barista, Ella Sallard, by giving her a stool. But as Crum herself said, the stool wasn't a reasonable accommodation. But here's the kicker though. If Starbucks had truly given Ella the accommodations she needed and tried a variety of ways to make the work accessible, I would be more understanding, but they didn't. In a more in-depth look into the case, it states that Ella, who was offered to use a stool or stepladder to complete her work, but management ignored her offers and they just fired her instead. They just claimed she was a danger to customers and employees. Eventually, this case was settled for about $75,000, which is not even a drop in the bucket for Starbucks. And this is so unbelievably gross, labeling someone as a danger because they might need a stepladder. It's not as if she was just leaving it in the middle of the drink prep area too. It's not like she was making a ridiculous request by any means. It's a stepladder and no one even gave her the chance. I think the fact that this is hypocritical is what's so especially damaging here. There are plenty of other companies that honestly, I would expect this from. Amazon, absolutely. 
mistreating workers is just any other average Tuesday for them. But the fact of the matter is that this is Starbucks and they're seen as being better, but they're no better. Thanks to their, and in my opinion, undeserved title as this ethical, fantastic place to work with all these amazing benefits, they've been able to maintain a friendly, positive image. To this day, there's an abundance of articles online about how they're one of the best companies to work for. Their ratings on Indeed are relatively high, and you can easily find listicles about the pros of being a Starbucks barista. I don't really see those same articles about other corporate giants, unless they're being posted by the corporations themselves, honestly. But make no mistake here, Starbucks has taken some excellent steps forward in offering healthcare and benefits that so many US companies just don't. But until they put their money where their mouth is and actually abide by their promises of equality and inclusivity for all employees, then let's just chill out on the praise a bit, right? Like we don't need to praise someone for doing the bare minimum anymore. But before we end today's episode, there's just one more thing I need to talk about, and that's the Starbucks gentrification issue. And before we jump headfirst into that topic, because I know it might seem a little bit of an oddball, I'm gonna go ahead and place today's sponsors right here, give you a couple minutes to think about it, and then let's rejoin. All right, so every once in a while, you're doing a Google search for something and you probably really don't want others knowing what you're searching for. I recently was hanging out with my friends at a bar, got a little bit tipsy, and decided that I didn't realize what peanuts were. What was a nut actually classified as? So I went on to incognito mode and I tried to look up what a peanut is. It turns out it's actually part of the legume family in case you're curious, but I didn't want my Google search history to really populate that and show that I ever looked up that question, which is obviously why I put it in an ad read so everyone could know about it. But the truth of the matter is incognito mode doesn't actually hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history. Your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why even when I'm home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. It doesn't matter who your ISP is. ISPs in the US can legally sell your information to ad companies, which of course then give you some strangely targeted ads. So I'm very certain I'm about to get ads for peanuts or something very soon. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. They also keep your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. And most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN turned on. It just kind of runs seamlessly in the background and it's easy to use and does its all like its whole little thing. All you do is tap one button and you're protected. And ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, not just your computer. So your phones, smart TVs, like there's really no excuse for you not to be using it when it works with pretty much everything. So protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com casket, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com casket, expressvpn.com casket to learn more. Have you ever left a cart full of items in an online store because the shipping costs were maybe just a little bit too expensive? I know I have. And did you know that shipping costs are also the number one reason for abandoned carts? In a landscape where free and fast shipping has become the norm, it can be hard for smaller e-commerce businesses to compete. So keep yourself competitive with ShipStation because when you use ShipStation, you can lower shipping costs, you can make returns easy, and of course, keep your customers happy. And ShipStation effortlessly integrates everywhere you sell online, including Amazon, Etsy, eBay, Shopify, and more. You can manage every order from one simple dashboard, automate routine shipping tasks, print shipping labels, easily compare rates and delivery times to optimize every single shipment, 
and automate delivery notifications too. And you can get up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates. And if that's not enough, use my promo code to try ShipStation free for two months. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation. And 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. So keep your business growing all year long with ShipStation. Use promo code CASKET today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. Again, that's ShipStation.com, promo code CASKET. Now, in the late 90s, but absolutely in the 2000s, 2010s, and now 2022s, what a weird thing to say, uh, Starbucks has kind of become one of the major symbols of gentrification. But how has this happened, and what does the company think of this? Well, as one article read, Starbucks will hold its grand opening in Harlem Wednesday, bringing its yuppie coffee to America's best-known ghetto. Which, that is quite a statement. Since gentrification has become a hot-button issue in recent years, can you guess when this article was written? Well, it's from the Washington Post, and it was written in 1999. I briefly mentioned earlier that the 90s were Starbucks' first decade of real expansion. They went from 140 stores in 1992 to 2,498 stores by the turn of the millennia. But everywhere they went, especially Portland, Chicago, and Harlem, they cemented this reputation as the harbinger of, well, yuppiness. Al Schrieber, a German-Russian-American that settled in Portland said that, quote, when you have to go pay five bucks for a cup of coffee, you know something's up. Even though their stock drinks and a plain small cup of coffee may not have been quite that expensive at the time, those living in the inner cities knew that Starbucks was a sign the area has grown richer and whiter, as it remains to this day. It's the sign that the neighborhood is going, if not gone, as the Oregonian journalist put it. These cultural shifts drive up housing costs and drive people that would have been living in those communities for decades out, and typically it's African-American communities. And Portland isn't the only city that feels this way. Chicago resident Roberto Lopez told the Chicago Reader that he's seen Wicker Park go from seedy inner city hood to a focal point of the burgeoning Hipquoisie where the riffraff is part of the appeal. Quote, things are out of control now, says Lopez. There's a lot of speculation and a lot of artists have been victimized and residents as well. People with more money are coming in, displacing local vendors, and people with less capital are going down. It's like in Central America or something, when a third world country or a banana republic is taken over by United Fruit. And to be clear, no, I don't think that Starbucks alone is behind gentrification and pushing longtime residents out of communities. It's way more complicated than that, and this would be a not even remotely justifiable like explanation but they have become a symptom of it and inexplicably tied to it. When the first Starbucks goes up, with its drinks that are so overpriced they're not affordable to lower income families, it's no wonder why they might be one of the very first businesses that come to mind when you think of the word gentrification. If Starbucks made an effort to work with the communities they're entering, then this may not be such a point of contention. But as the Los Angeles Times pointed out in 2001, Starbucks is also weakening unions and workforces. And as we just saw, they have a history of discrimination. They're happy to set up shop in a predominantly black neighborhood only to treat black workers and the immigrants they hire as if they're disposable. How sad is that that this is a reputable place to work for? That this is supposedly more ethical than the majority of other large chains out there and that this is still how they behave even with this reputation? I don't want to say that you can never enjoy a mocha frappuccino with extra whipped cream ever again. 
but I think it's important to talk about Starbucks so we can recognize it's not as reputable and fantastic as it seems. There's plenty more to hold Starbucks accountable for, but unfortunately, I won't be holding my breath either. But with all of that being said, that is where we're going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. Thank you so much for joining me to the end of today's episode. I really do appreciate it. I know there's a million things you can be doing in the world, yet you chose to spend about 30-ish minutes here with me. So thank you for that. As usual, please make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date with all the latest content. If you wanna connect with me outside of these episodes, you can go ahead and click on my Linktree link. It's gonna have a nice little organized list of all of my social media and all sorts of projects that I'm involved in. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode again. I really do appreciate it. And I look forward to speaking with you in the next one. Bye.